wonderful group home set up for them. My wife went back to work for the first time in 20 years and six months later was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. I had a surgery, thought they got it all. They didn't, 18 months of chemo and she passed away. So it was uh, some pretty significant challenges. Uh, I found myself at 55 years old, um, a widower, which I did not anticipate, uh, and uh, an empty nester and kind of starting all over. And uh, I've got a couple of faith-based experiences along the way that enabled me to launch what I call Clay 2.0. And uh, nothing wrong with the 1.0 version, but Clay 2.0 uh, had, a, had a different focus. Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is the odd man. Greetings and salutations, it's Audley Stevenson back for another edition of the most audacious podcast the internet has to offer. And as always, it's a pleasure to be here uh, and bring you this episode as we continue our ongoing goal of helping our listeners live their best audacious lives ever. Now, this is episode 205, and I'm pleased to have Clay Boltwright as today's guest on this edition of the Audacious Living Podcast. You know, one of the things that we we take pride here uh, is really bringing powerful and inspiring stories of how individuals, everyday individuals, are able to overcome obstacles uh, and challenges and the life lessons that have come out of them. And that's exactly what Clay has done. And and while it hasn't been easy, he certainly did so uh, with a smile, cheerfulness, and a little bit of humor. You know, Clay and his wife raised three daughters, including identical twins that were born with severe intellectual disabilities and autism. And only six months after becoming empty nesters, Clay's wife was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and passed away shortly thereafter. Actually, it was only 18 months later. Um, he, he, he himself will tell you that it hasn't been easy, but you'd never know if you looked at him and saw him because, like I said, uh, he, he managed to weather the storm and he did so as cheerful as, as much as possibly could, uh, looking for the silver lining and the bright side of things as well as the lesson. It really is a powerful conversation and an incredible story that I'm sure you'll all appreciate. So without any further ado, here's my chat with Clay Boatwright. Enjoy. Greetings, Clay. Thank you for, for joining me here today on the Audacious Living Podcast. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Audley. I appreciate the opportunity. It's great seeing you. This is good. This is good. I, you know, I, I, I very much... Love chances and an opportunity to sit down and, and I said before before I press record there, you know, having good chats with good folk and I would expect this to be no no different. And so I thank you for making a time like this. And um, I, you, I think you've got to have an, op- have an opportunity to read a little bit about your story and, and your background. I think you have a, a very interesting story because uh, you, you, you had what a lot of people have is challenges. And I think challenges of a part of life, but it seemed like in your case, they really compounded and you had a lot of them in over, over a certain period of time. And so perhaps as a starting point, we can get you to fill our audience in a little bit about your story and, and, and what brought you to this point that you're at now. 
Sure. No, absolutely. Well, again, I appreciate the opportunity to share it. So um, uh, as you pointed out, you know, we all have challenges. I, I have been blessed, and I use that word deliberately, I've been blessed with some challenges that people often don't uh, encounter in a, in a fairly short period of time. So the, the, the short version is my uh, late wife and I were married for 30 years. And uh, in the course of that 30 years, uh, she had a couple of uh, cancers, one about a year after we got married in our mid-20s that she survived. Um, Hodgkin's disease was the name of it. A few years uh, after that, after she went through chemo for that, we had our first child who was a, a traditional traditional kid, traditional daughter. She uh, is now 26, and three years after she was born, we had our identical twins. So Blair's our oldest, Paige and Mia are our twins. A couple of years after the twins were born, we noticed that development was a little unusual, and a couple of years into uh, when they were about two years old, we discovered they have what is now called uh, intellectual disabilities. So pretty severe intellectual disabilities and autism. So raising the, what I referred to as the Boatwright Circus had a whole host of unique challenges to it that we can get into here uh, in a few moments. Soon sure. as everyone grew up, um, got everybody out of the house, oldest daughter went to college, uh, the twins, we got a wonderful group home set up for them. My wife went back to work for the first time in 20 years and six months later was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Uh, had uh, surgery, thought they got it all. They didn't, 18 months of chemo, and she passed away. So it was uh, some pretty significant challenges. Uh, I found myself at 55 years old, um, a widower, which I did not anticipate, uh, and, uh, an empty nester and kind of starting all over. And uh, I've got a couple of faith-based experiences along the way that enabled me to launch what I call Clay 2.0. And uh, nothing wrong with the 1.0 version, but Clay 2.0 uh, had, had a different focus. And uh, a lot of people told me to write a book, which I did. And, uh, and here we are. So the, uh, the, the underpinning is that we all, uh, we all have experiences and challenges. And as someone yes. said, uh, we all have experiences and challenges, baggage and drama. And my reply was, hmm, yes and no. We all have experiences and challenges, but baggage and drama are optional. Yep. Happiness is a choice. And that's what I like talking about. I I, I, so I I love the point, the latter around happiness being a choice. Um, uh, I think so much of what happens in our lives is about the choices that we make. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can in that moment decide to be unhappy, miserable, frustrated, upset, or you can figure out what the next step is because the, the, that, that, that feeling of, uh, you know, like, so, for example, I oftentimes use the analogy of hills and valleys, right? So life's like a series of hills and valleys on top of the hills, but things are great, fabulous, you're celebrating, what's happy, life is good, things are going your way, it's great. But then something happens, you sort of go down in that valley, and valleys where it's not so pleasant. Valleys where all the bad stuff happens, if you will, or the uncomfortable stuff, or the things that bring us pain. Well, my, my point is, using the hills and valleys, the hills and valleys, it's, 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 it's a journey, meaning... The valley isn't your destination. So you don't have to stay there unless you choose to. If that makes that's, sense. That's exactly right. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly right. And I think we, um, mortal humans, we, we like to think that we're in control of a lot of things. And I have right. learned that uh, I'm... I'm barely in control of when I get up in the morning. I mean, I'm, you know, there's a couple of things I'm in control of, but really not that much. And um, so to the extent that life happens, you know, stuff happens, yeah. a lot of times, I, oftentimes, I don't have any control over what happens. What I do control is how I respond to it. Mm. And it's that response that, um, 
you know, can make the difference on uh, a good experience, a bad experience, positive opportunities coming out of that, et cetera. Um, the situation, the, the occurrence, the instigator, it may be completely out of my control. What is in my control is what I want to do about it. Gotcha, gotcha. Let, 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 let's, let's talk about uh, uh, your, your wife. I mean, so she had gotten, she, she you said initially she'd answer uh, uh, and she fought through it and, and, and made it through it. I would imagine there was a, a sense of victory and there was a sense of uh, you know relief and all the, the, the wonderful joyous feelings associated with getting on the other side of, of difficult challenges. Um, what was that? Like, how long was that experience? What was what was going on during that time for you guys? So we'd uh, just gotten married. So again, we were in our mid twenties. We had moved from our hometown of Memphis, Tennessee, to uh, St. Louis, Missouri. I moved there for a, a new job mm-hmm. that I, uh, I had gotten, and she was uh, quickly quickly diagnosed after we moved there. And um, again, it, it went well. You know, the the chemo was successful. I went through six months of chemo, and then. Um, Another six months, uh, she had a, a tube in her chest that she took the, uh, the drugs through, waited another six months to take that out. But um, we thought things went, went really well. And the, the thing about my late wife, as a challenge with many of us, she went through a lot of, uh, you know, why me, God? You know, what did I do wrong? You know, what, right. what could I have done to avoid this? And a lot of times you can. I mean, there is, there is no way to avoid these things. So... Uh, so that had to deal with some early issues along those lines. And I kind of asked maybe similar questions, but then we waited about, uh, about eight years to, to have our oldest daughter to give a chance for the, the drugs to get out of her system. Oldest yeah. daughter was born. Everything was great. Easiest pregnancy in the world. Blair was like the perfect child. And we knew at the time, you know, lightning does not strike the same crib twice. You know, it just, <laughs> we, we knew things were going, right. going really well. Then the, right. uh, the twins were born. That, that was, uh, was eye opening. We, we had intended on going for just two children total. God had a different plan and yeah, three popped up and we're all like, okay, we're done. We're, <laughs> we're out. And, uh, and, and almost from the point of conception, things were just different. You know, the, the pregnancy was different. Uh, Carol had to go to the hospital you know, several times and just a lot of stuff going on. Right. Twins were born, uh, had a, a variety of challenges. They cried a lot. Uh, Things that many people just attributed to, well, they're, they're twins, and twins take right. longer to develop. Right. And uh, and again, all children are different, so we really shouldn't use the first, our first oldest as, a, as an example to, to wait mm-hmm. to measure things against. So I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. Well, then um, we got to the uh, the 24-month well baby visit. You go to the pediatrician, you go to the well baby visit, and Carol's holding like Paige, and I'm holding Mia, so we each have a twin, and they give you this uh, 24-month uh, developmental milestone checklist and you go through the checklist and you know can can say yep. certain words or is crawling yeah you go through the checklist yep. so we each go th- we each go through it for our respective twin that we're holding and we get to the bottom and looked at each other and realized that neither one of us had checked anything off the list mm-hmm. like yeah that's probably not good so pediatrician sent us over to easter seals which was a surprise because I always thought Easter seals was for you know, kids in wheelchairs. Didn't know that got into kind of other development right. type areas. They did, they did an assessment, and that's when they came back with the um, the initial diagnosis of intellectual disabilities and uh, and autism. So that launched us into a a whole world that we had yeah. no experience with. And uh, early on, you know, right. as with any any development, you see a gap versus the traditional, so regular kids. And uh, there was a bit of a gap. Well, as time went on, 
that gap widened and continued to widen. So, uh, so Paige and Mia, just, they, they turned 23 yesterday, just had their, their 23rd birthday. Wonderful. And so they're 23. They uh, have never spoken. They uh, need assistance with, in, in the industry, it's called all activities of daily living, okay. ADLs. Yep. So they need help with um, everything bathroom related. They need mm-hmm. help uh, getting dressed, getting undressed. Um, they can you know, take their plate from the, the uh, table to the sink, but to ask them to go through and like even accurately load a dishwasher would be a, would be a challenge for them. So, so they need a, a 24-7 care, which can be pretty intense. So, so going through sure. that, sure. We, uh, you know, we, my, my wife and I dealt with it differently. Uh, she, being the primary caregiver at home, it was burdened with a lot of challenges uh, with that. And I yep. tried to support her as much as I could, as well as, you know, earn a living. And uh, I guess the twins were about four years old. And I, uh, it was a rough night. They, the twins were upset. Our oldest daughter was crying. Blair, or uh, Carol was upset. upset. And, uh, you know, so again, this is, a, this is a Friday night. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to be a good father leader. For this situation, I went to bed. bed. I'm like, there, I can't, I can't fix what's going on, so I'm just gonna retreat to the bedroom. Everybody's safe, and, and they'll be fine. So I, uh, I go to bed that night, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm saying a, a prayer to God. And I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm mad. I'm pretty upset. I'm mad at God, and I, I remember laying there and praying. You know, God, why did you do this? Why did you create Paige and me at a to have their disability. Why did you do this to them? And to be blunt, why did you do this to me? I know that sounds selfish, but that's what I was thinking. And I um sorry there booted me out. Asking God, oh no, oh no, no, you're fine. Um, and uh, so I fell asleep asking God that question, you know, why did you do this? And uh, you know, I don't go to sleep mad very often, but if I do, I'll I'll wake up like madder the next morning. It's like the, the emotions marinate overnight. And, I woke up that Saturday morning and it was the craziest feeling. I woke, I woke up, up like I was on a, on a mountaintop on a bright spring day with a, the wind blowing into my, my lungs. I was excited. I was pumped. I was ready to take on the world. And the very first words that entered my head were to help people like Paige and Mia, which I immediately interpreted as to help people with severe disabilities like they had. And I sat there and I went, wow. So I was, I was a, a sales and marketing guy in the, the grocery products business at the time. I'm trying to be a good dad. Um, was focused on, on career as well as, you know, trying to help the family. But given my priorities at the time, yeah. there's no way on God's green earth I would have come up with that answer on my own. And as sure as you and I are having this conversation right now, there was zero doubt in my mind. I fell asleep asking God a question, and he sent the Holy Spirit and answered it. I asked him, why did you do this? He sent the Holy Spirit and said, to help people like Paige and Mia, to help people with severe disabilities. So, so at that moment, two great things happened. Number one, it happened. Number two was I had the wherewithal to realize it. Because again, that is something I would not have cooked up in my head. So I uh, sat there and said, well, okay, what, what do I do? Um, I've been given this direction, I guess. So I did what, what many people do when they have questions. I got up, went to the family computer and got on Google. I Googled it. <laughs> I said, uh, I, I typed four words and 
again, the, I'm going to use the vernacular at, at the time. So this was about 2004. So the, the, the verbiage has improved, has changed over time. But using the diagnosis of 2004, I typed four words. Um, mental retardation. We don't use that phrase anymore. We use intellectual disabilities now. But I typed mental retardation, Dallas, which is where we live. Help. Mental retardation, Dallas, help. Four words. Boom. Hit enter. Up comes a, a website for an organization I had never heard of before called the Ark of Dallas. Long story short, looked at their website. I said, that looks, looks interesting. Reached out to them on Monday, that next Monday. Two weeks after that, I'm on their board of directors. I'm now heavily start getting into the disability advocacy world, understanding issues that families like mine face, what services are out there, what services are not out there. Eventually got onto uh, the board and the presidency of the, the state organization. Pretty soon after that, I got connected up and was appointed by President Obama to a presidential advisory committee in Washington that I served on for two years. And after that, I headed up a committee in Austin at our state capitol, uh, helping redesign our, our support system. So, so in the, what started off as a, as a asking God a question on a, on a Friday night, um, within about uh, seven or eight years, I'm appointed by the president of the United States to an advisory committee and pretty soon then helping uh, redesign our state support system. That has nothing to do with me. That has everything to do with God. And along the way, I started realizing that uh, why I was here and, uh, and realizing that brings it, you've got a great smile on your face right now. And I appreciate that. It, uh, I started smiling. So you know, here, I, here I am in this situation with a, a family that would scare the crap out of 95% of most uh, you know, intelligent thinking people. And I'm like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embrace this. And again, it was all about attitude. Man, I have to smile because it's a wonderful story. It really is. I mean, when you look at sort of your journey and, and, and the things that happen, and again, it's really easy when, 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 when things happen to us and we don't feel good about it to be miserable and be down and, you know, to point fingers and blame and do all sorts of, you know, negative things and emotions and feelings that, 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 that easily can pop up. But to take that harness and use it in a, in, and flip it in an entirely different way and make it productive, not only for yourself, but for others, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal story. And so I have to smile like I do. Well, well, well I appreciate that. And one of the things that's been, uh, I, again, I use the word blessing. I, I use the word blessing a lot. And, and I, I, uh, sure. I mentioned earlier, I've, I've been blessed by challenges. I, yes. To me, blessings are not necessarily things that, are, that I consider positive. Um, a blessing is anything that God's involved in. And sometimes God allows us to go through difficult challenges for a purpose. Now, we may not understand it at the time, and we may not say thank you. <laughs> you know, we may not enjoy those challenges, but if it's something that he's deciding that is right for us, I, I view that as a, as a blessing. And one of the biggest blessings to me has been the, the learning that I got through that process. So learning what families were facing with and what people with disabilities faced and and right. what systems was were available to help them and, and connect people up. Um, so I, I, I tell this to a lot of folks. I, uh, I know thousands of people. I met thousands of people over the years. And 95% of the people I know have no idea what I do for a living. Absolutely none. But they all know what I do for free. And think about it as a man. So, so often we men, we, we tie our identity to what yes. we do for a living. And, and I don't, I, Absolutely. I refer to what I do for a living is that's how I pay my bills. You know, so, so people, people will ask you, you know, Hey, so what do you do? 
and they're wanting to know what do you do for a living. The way I hear that, it's how do you pay your bills? And I'm like, well, it's not your business. Sure. You know? <laughs> it's like, why, why do you care? You know, why, why do you care what, what, what I do for a living? Or why do you care how I pay my bills? And, but when people ask me that question, it takes me about half a second to start talking about my family and start talking about the advocacy world, start talking about, you know, God's impact on people's lives. That's, that's sure. how I want to be identified, not so much as a marketing research, re- marketing research guy in the grocery business. Who cares? Well, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. That's, that's not impactful. That's a- yeah make a difference. I mean, it's a job and I, I can, I can relate with that so much. Um, yeah, the other, the, the other part of your story that I can also relate to is I'm a father of a daughter on the autism spectrum as well. And, uh, you know, she was diagnosed at a, she was diagnosed at a young age and, you know, we went through a, a journey where we had to figure out this new way of being, uh, you know, her mother and I had no experience. We didn't know any, you know, any other families or any other children um, that could relate to what we were going through at the time. And we had to learn. And, and, and figure stuff out. And, you know, I can, I can remember uh, the first time that we were able to collectively go to the mall as a family, because up in that point, we just couldn't because it was just, it was just, it was, it was a circus, if you will. Right? Exactly. It was an adventure. Exactly. And, and, so, and, and, and so the thing though, but the thing I want, what, what I wanted to comment on is, is, is the piece around our potential, right? Because ultimately we've all got something special inside I don't know, something that we're meant to do. And it's very easy to look at someone, you know, i.e. a child on the autism spectrum and think that they can't achieve or they can't reach any particular milestone or they just can't do because of their situation. But what I've learned and, and, and uh, my experience with my, my own child is, you know, that's far from the case. And, and, you know, we all have something special that we're meant to do. Absolutely. Now, uh, now that you've shared that, so so thank you. I'm I'm obligated to ask you two quick questions. Uh, first, how sure. old is your daughter? How old is your daughter? She's 18 now. Okay. And how does her autism manifest itself? So my, my children I mentioned are are pretty on the severe side, nonverbal, and so on. How how about your daughter? Like uh, from a, a, a skill standpoint, how does she display? So so initially it was um, her speech was severely delayed. Um, so her, her her ability to communicate uh, was significantly behind that we're you know so when we sort of start to look at the age of like say you know two or three we're like you know again the, the certain words we weren't hearing them um and, and and certain cues and the verbal cues and things like that and, uh, and uh, you know they, they they just weren't there and and that's what kind of started our journey so it, it definitely um manifests itself through her speech and uh, as time has gone on uh, so you know so i would say you know she, she she's 18 years old but you know developmentally she's probably probably 11 or 12 year old something like that in and around there in terms of yeah. where she's at overall um her, her her gross motor skills are off the chart and you know you look at her you see a happy girl that just loves life and and likes to smile like her father but overall i mean it's it's it, it's just um i i, I would say it's a, it's a blessing i'll tell you a real quick story i remember once we were we were driving um i'm in downtown toronto so driving sort of in a semi-residential area in downtown Toronto and she was in the back seat. And up until this point, now she was probably seven or eight at the time and there weren't a whole lot of words in her vocabulary. And so, you know, we were doing the speech therapist that worked with her and, and regularly attended uh, sessions like that to help her develop her speech. And um, so we're, we're in the back, she's in the back seat, I'm driving. And all of a sudden I hear these random words, like she's putting out these random words. And I'm going, oh, wow, like she's speaking. Oh my goodness, this is wonderful. And in that, in, in that moment, 
what I realized is that the words weren't random. She was actually reading the signs on the stores as we were driving by them. So, oh, that's great. So here I am, you know, here I am as a father going, oh my goodness, will I ever hear my daughter say daddy ever again? I don't know if I'll ever hear it, but she's showing us, wait a second, saying daddy's a piece of cake. I'm going to read for you, right? And so <laughs> that, 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 that for me is why I, so when I talk about the potential and, when, and why it's so important we don't limit people because of their situation. Uh, that, uh, and, 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 and sometimes our challenges make us feel like we're limited. The things that we go through make us feel that we're small, but really we're bigger than we ever gave ourselves credit for. No, ab- absolutely, and uh, and thank you for sharing that. So, as, as I'm sure you've learned in the autism world, that there's an old saying that when you've met one child with autism, you've met one child with autism. That's all, because it, it right. is it is so different. That's why I always ask yes. how old and, and how's that manifest itself. Yeah, yes. I, I totally I totally agree with you in that um, we all have skills and abilities, and yes. uh, as as you've picked up, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a faith based guy, and my my faith tells me this because the bible tells me that's why is that um god created all of us okay so god created all of us uh and say in the case of autism he depending on the i i believe my children were born with their disability there Mm -hmm. are other children um who or other people who their disability may come later in life um but god allows that to happen so he's involved in the process well, here's what I've learned over time. Uh, and the Bible, again, the Bible also tells me this. God doesn't make mistakes, okay? Right. So if God creates everybody and he is allowing certain things to happen, even things that we may not like, yep. um, God is smarter than we are and we need to get over it. We really <laughs> need to get over it. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and just because we don't like it doesn't mean he's wrong. It means we right. need to get over it is what it means. And, and again, it's about not criticizing his decisions, but more, how are we going to respond uh, in, in this, whatever has been presented to us? So, so from that standpoint, if God creates everybody and he is allowing certain circumstances to take place and each individual that is unique to them, and that fits exactly with what you're just saying, is he is giving us all skills and abilities and the ability right. or the, the opportunity to develop those at different rates, at different speeds to different levels. Yep. And it's all good because he's involved in it. What our challenge is, is identifying that within each other and then helping nurture each one of us, our children, our friends, our spouses, and so on, uh, to maximize whatever those potentials are and to open whatever doors yeah. may be there. That's what our job is. It's not to, uh, it's funny, I have some friends, a lot of friends in the autism world, and um, a lot of them have spent effort and, and it's great you know, trying to understand you know, what caused their child's condition? Right. I haven't spent 15 seconds. I, in 23 years, I haven't <laughs> yeah. spent 15 seconds. And I'm like, you know, whatever. You know, because yeah. that, that water, that water went on the bridge a long time ago, that's right? And so I'm more, I'm more focused on, you know, what today and tomorrow. That's, that's where, where the focus needs to be for me. Clay, Clay, I love that point because I think too often in life, many of us do that. We get so cons- ultra consumed with the why and how we got here and, and as opposed to understanding that we're here already and how do we move forward from here as opposed to staying here and, and mulling over what happened in the past. And, and, and quite frankly, there's a lot of times we'll never get that answer. And so we just have to accept that and move forward. So I'm really glad that you made that point because, you know, the, the, the why, you know, once you've got, you know, once you've got the baby in front of you, you've got the baby in front of you. The why doesn't matter anymore. Let's deal with what you got. Right. It's a good. 
That's exactly right. And, and you also learn to expect the unexpected. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, and, and as soon the surprises as, of life. The surprises of life. Exactly. Because ju just as soon as you think you've got it figured out, God's going to go, ha, hang on, hold, hold that thought. <laughs> Let's see, hold my beer. Let, let, me, let me show you something new. Um, that, that, that's kind of part of, the, actually part of the, the, the second part of my, my story is, um, yeah, I mentioned raising Paige and Mia. I called it the Boatwright Circus. It was, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. But um, got Blair off to college. Paige and Mia got a great group home set up for them. And I mentioned my wife uh, was diagnosed with uh, ovarian cancer, eventually passed away. And um, she died on uh, February 11th, 2020. Okay, okay. about three years ago. Oh. February 11th, 2020, she, she passed away. And uh, it was, we were alone, just the two of us uh, in our bedroom. I was blessed to literally be holding, literally holding her head in my hands, uh, mm -hmm. middle of the night as she, as she passed away. So uh, I, I, on the one hand, it was very difficult. On the other hand, there were no uh, wires, tubes, or beeping machines involved. Yeah, it was just yeah, the, the yeah. two of us. When, when she, mm -hmm. As I put in the book, she, uh, when, when Jesus brought her from my side to his side, that's how, wow. that's how I feel. So, uh, so that, that was on February 11th. So three days later was uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah. My oldest daughter had come home for her, her mom's passing and she and her boyfriend, now her husband, well, went out for Valentine's Day and I went to a, a grocery store across the street from our house and uh, I was sad. I was very sure. sad and depressed. You know, it was Valentine's Day. My wife had died three days earlier. Yeah. She'd yeah. been my, not just my best friend, my, my only friend for 33 years. And uh, first Valentine's Day, we weren't together. So I'm all sad and depressed. What was me? Life sucks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I go walking into the grocery store and got to uh, picked up a couple items, made over to uh, the, the hair care aisle. I don't think that's relevant, but I'm in the hair care aisle. And all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, everything changed. I went from being sad, depressed, what was me? Life sucks to upbeat, positive, kind of like that Saturday morning I had described years earlier. Yes, yes. And I have no doubt that God revealed two things to me with absolute clarity that totally changed my perspective on everything. Number one was Carol, my late wife. Carol was doing great. She's doing a lot better than the rest of us. <laughs> you know, she was a Christian, a strong believer, and she was having the experience that all Christians aspire for. She's with God and not worrying about cancer and not worrying about autism, not worrying about yeah. how to pay the bills. You know, yeah. she's, she's worshiping God. She's doing great. So so I view it as God released me from having to mourn my wife. Mm. I, I missed her. Absolutely, I missed her. But I don't, you don't have to mourn someone who is ex having an experience much better than the one you're having. <laughs> right. Right? So that was number one. Number two was, so number one had to do with her. Number two had to do with me. So I was uh, 55 years old at the time. I'm, I'm 58 now. So she was 55 years old. I had been married for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And... I'm thinking of God willing, and I use those words literally, I may have another 30 years ahead of me. Mm. Well, I'm only halfway done in terms of this adulthood thing. Right, like, right. Okay, that's something to talk about. For the first time in my adult life, okay, for the first time in my adult life, I had no, virtually no obligations and responsibilities. Yeah. I was barely responsible for myself. You no, know, I I went I had work, but in terms of personal life, yes. I, my children were out of the house, were and no. had the support system set up for Paige and Mia. Blair was independent; she was working. Carol had passed away. I didn't have anybody I was responsible for. Wow! And quite literally, I could quite literally do 
whatever I wanted to do. Right. And I'm for the first time going, in so at how long, right? Forever. Well, first time forever, really. Um, right. yeah, since I graduated college, right? So in, in 30 plus years. And I'm standing there and I'm going, huh, well, that's not a bad place to be. You know, so, so between realize between God kind of saying Carol's doing great, I yep. can now do whatever I want with no responsibilities. It was like, so Clay, uh, tell me why you're sad. Now again, I I, I, I missed my wife, but it was one of those. Sure. There, it's a different perspective. That that what I'm getting at is perspective changed. Yeah. So standing there in aisle nine, the hair care aisle of Tom Thumb Grocery Store, I launched what I refer to as Clay 2.0. Um, nothing wrong with the 1.0 version. You know, I shared a lot of that, you know, the work and raising the kids and the, sure, and sure, the advocacy absolutely. work and so on. Not, nothing wrong. Great, great foundation. Got a good uh, mileage out of the 1.0 version. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Clay 2.0 is going to be very different than that. And not saying better, but different. So, again, it's all about attitude and all about perspective. Amazing. Amazing. So, so the million, but then the million-dollar million question, which I'm still answering, is, so, okay, God, you give me this opportunity. What do you want me to do with it? And then that, that led to um, me writing the book. And the, the title of the book is God's Plan, Our Circus. So God's Plan, Our Circus. Basically saying that, you know, God, God has a plan for all of us. And sometimes we look at it and go, what? <laughs> and and uh, the, the, the objective of the book basically is to... Uh, inspire people going through unique challenges to uh, to realize that it's, it is about attitude and, and God does have a plan for us. And and also to uh, to look at things, my, my little personal slogan I've had forever for a million years is that yeah. uh, life is too important to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. So you need to, we, we need to condition ourselves to look at something and just laugh at it. I mean, there were things with Paige and me that just craziness stuff that would happen, you know, go to a restaurant and all heck breaks loose and, and yeah, you can freak out, but you know what is it, is, is everyone going to, is, is everyone still alive at the end of it? Yes. Okay. That's then it. it's not that bad. Um, and sometimes you just have to stand back and laugh at the humor of the situation or you will drive yourself crazy. Yes. You know, you know something I, for, for, as, as a parent of a child on the autism spectrum, I really started to see over as time went on, I started to see a, a shift in attitudes of other individuals. So you you, you know, you know, you know, I remember once upon a time you, you, you go out and you, you you constantly find yourself like apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry that they're being loud, or I'm sorry that they're being disruptive, or I'm sorry they've done this, or I'm sorry they've done that. And but as time has gone on, and, and maybe it's because people are becoming more aware, or 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 I'm not sure exactly what, but more are, are accepting. And it's okay. Don't worry about it. Or hey, I I know a child in the same way. And so it's it's, it's a and so that, that for me was always something wonderful to watch because the more accepting you are of people of, of, of you know individuals or uniquenesses, the more you're accepting of them as who they are. And that's what we really need to be by and, and that's and, and that's when and why and when we give each other grace, we're able to be, have that acceptance. And so I saw a lot more grace as time has gone on being given. It's such a beautiful thing. You're, you're absolutely right. I think people have become more accepting. They've become more understanding. Uh, you know, describing a restaurant a moment ago where um, you know, taking Paige and Mia, we, we, we tried to go out as a family every week. And, sure. and uh, Paige and Mia are notorious food thieves. So, and it doesn't matter you know, if it's on your plate. Well, if it's yours, it's still theirs. Theirs is theirs and yours is theirs. Yeah. And I, I describe a scene where 
we uh, were walking out of a restaurant. The twins were probably 12, 13 years old. And, uh, and, and their disabilities, when you see them, you, you can tell something's up. It's, it's immediately sure. recognizable that, that, they're on the, that they have a, their disabilities. So me and I am trying to get her out of a restaurant and she's like stealing stuff off of other people's plates. Oh, so, uh, so at one point early, in the early days, I'd, oh, don't do that. You know, I, you know, and I'd be apologizing. I just decided to tell people, uh, yeah, she gets this way when she drinks, you know, <laughs> she's not drinking, but, but it's, it's oh. kind of like make, make light of it. And then, you, yeah, you just say, Hey, I'm sorry. But most people kind of, they laugh and they, they appreciate it because you just want to uh, alleviate any, any tension that, that may be there. Yeah. No, no, I think that's a great approach, a great approach. And, um, uh, you know, something, so, so I love the way that you, you responded, uh, to those sorts of situations because they are, you know, they, they are going to come up and it's, it's what you do, right? Again, you talked really about the response, how you respond to them. Um, I, you know, you, you, you know, again, you talk about your book, God's Planner Circus. And again, we sort of talk about uh, how we sometimes plan our lives. So for example, you know, you, I'm sure, you know, when, when you became empty nesters, you know, you and your wife had your plans as to what your new life would look like. And on the other, and all of a sudden that's now changed. And so it really much is being able to, I would, I would, I would, the way I would put it is very much being able to respond to the things that happen to us because we're not quite sure what's going to happen next. And that's. No, you're right. And yeah, it's, it's being prepared to respond to anything because we don't know what's going to happen. And um, so I've, I've been, I consider myself very blessed that in, in face of, and in fact, because of some of the challenges that, that I've gone through and um, with some of those, those blessings, I don't believe I've deserved anything. You know, I, I don't deserve anything, but, um, but it's through God's grace that, that things have, have worked out well and continue to, to work well and have opportunities. And, and uh, though I haven't earned those, I always kept my, uh, my compass kind of centered on, on three things. And, and those three things were, was that you know, God, God is always with us, even in the most challenging times. And it's, it's tempting to forget that because that, but he is with us even in the most challenging times. Uh, the second thing is to, um, whether it's good or bad, just always appreciate what I have. Okay. So even in the tough times, let's appreciate the family, appreciate, uh, I've always, I've always had a roof over my head. A lot of people yes. can't say that. You know? Yes. So appreciate what you have, no matter how big or small. And, and the third thing was, and this was, I can only speak for myself. Um, no matter how crazy the boat ride circus got, there was no way I would ever abandon my family. There was no way I would ever. And, and sadly, there, there are people who, who um, and I don't know their individual stories, but uh, there are a lot of folks out there going it alone um, because someone decided they couldn't, they couldn't hang with it. And that wasn't going to be me. I wasn't going to get labeled with that. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if that earned anything. I don't think it did, but it, it, kept, it kept me grounded. So those were kind of what, what I kept my life focused on. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think you're, I think you're, and I think you're absolutely right, Clay, in terms of uh, you know again how you keep ourselves, how we keep ourselves grounded. Um, and, and I think the more grounded we are, the more equipped we are to deal with the, the wild and crazy things that happen uh, in, in, in our lives. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, you're thinking use, using the idea of foundation, and I, you know, that I think there's a. Um, some verses, Bible verses that, that play off of this, but if you think about a, a house that's built on a solid foundation can yeah. ha handle the storms a lot better. 
yeah. as opposed to those that are they're not built on a good foundation and they're easier, more easy to blow over. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I think that's the key in, in how we fortify ourselves as opposed to waiting, waiting for the bad stuff to happen, so to speak, is what we can do uh, in advance of them. And so I'm just out of curiosity wondering, uh, do you have any thoughts or ideas that maybe things that people can do to help fortify themselves? The uh, no, obviously being a faith-based guy, I would urge people uh, to to see, seek support outside of yourselves. You know, um, and is there? I believe there is a God who uh, who loves us, who created us, and and trying to understand what what is He trying to teach me and, and want me to do in, in individual situations. Yeah, that certainly helps me get through get through a lot of things. Um, not taking life too seriously, like I described earlier. Uh, learning how to laugh. Uh, and by taking life, it also means don't take yourself too seriously. Um, right. there, are, there are a lot of people, and I'm sure you've run into them as well, who are very enamored with their own opinion um, about things. And I've never, yeah, in my opinion, I named it on certain things, a few, but um, I, the world does not operate on Clay Boatwright's opinion of everything, you know, and, and just realizing that and there are a lot of things in this world I don't need to have an opinion opinion about it. Yeah, I don't need to get worked up over something, particularly if it's something that doesn't affect me at all, or I can't help improve. Um, so having that kind of perspective, I, I think, actually solidifies a foundation because you're, then you're not, you're not trying to cause cracks in it. So I'm, I'm trying to play the, the foundation analogy as well. I think there are a lot of people who, you know, their foundation is maybe okay, but they start looking for ways to crack it. Yes. Well, stop. <laughs> Don't. What's the old saying? When you find yourself in a hole, first thing you do, stop digging. <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly it. Stop, stop making it more challenging for yourself, right? That's what you got to do. Hey. Exactly, exactly. It, it will present its own challenges. You don't don't look for ways to make it worse for yourself. Clay, Clay give us the title of your book one more time for our, for our listeners. It's God's Plan, Our Circus. God's Plan, Our Circus. And the subtitle is A Family Odyssey Through Autism, Death, and Reinvention. So autism being my children, yes. uh, death being the passing of my wife, and the reinvention being me. And uh, so it is available on Amazon.com. So God's Plan, Our Circus. And uh, hope, hope I've, I've gotten some, some pretty good reviews about it. People, even including people who don't know me, have, have, have read it. And uh, uh, a common theme that I, I see people saying is that I've actually seen several families of people say this, that it, it made them laugh. It made them cry. And a couple of times they had to put it down and walk away because it hit so close to home. Wow. So uh, I, I take that as a, as a, as an appreciation. So. Absolutely. Well, that, I, 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 when I hear that, I just think of impact and it's clearly what you've had uh, on people. So I encourage our listeners to, to check it out. Clay, if we want to learn more about your catch up with you directly, where could we send them? So you can go to uh, clayboatright.com, C-L-A-Y-B-O-A-T-R-I-G-H-T.com, clayboatright.com. I'm also on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, things of that nature. So they're welcome to, uh, to go there and would love to connect. Awesome, awesome. Clay, I absolutely, well, certainly love the fact that you're here. So thank you for doing that. Love the story of your personal story and um, your journey. Um, but I think more importantly, I really love the way uh, you responded to that and uh, and then we said off the top, we talked about happiness being a choice. And clearly, you know, you chose happiness uh, as your pathway, as your laying way. And, and, and I think the piece that, that, that I really love about that 
is not only that you've chosen happiness as your path and how you want to live your life, uh, but you're now showing others what that journey is to, with the hopes of encouraging, inspiring them as well. And so when you take your, when you take what you've gone through and turn that, that negative into a positive, that really is a really special thing. So congratulations, Clay. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that, Audley. Thank you for sharing that. And I appreciate you for being here. Take care and uh, all the best. Sound, sound, same to you. Thank you, sir. Back, we are here on the podcast, and much thanks and appreciation goes out to Clay for being here and sharing. Uh, like I said, off the top, his very powerful story. I was definitely inspiring, and I'm certain uh, you, as our listeners, have been left with some really uh, remarkable insights. Do remember his book, God's Plan, Our Circus, which is now available. I'd encourage you to pick up a copy. So, thanks again, Clay, for being here. It was an absolute pleasure. You know, I truly appreciated so much of what Clay had to share with us today. But if there's just one thing that I would take from the chat that we had, it would have to be this. Life is a series of ups and downs. We all know this. You know, throughout our journey, we are bound to face challenging times that test our resilience and strength. Whether it's dealing with personal loss, facing personal setbacks, or navigating through a global crisis. Maintaining a positive outlook and a sense of humor can be powerful tools to help us endure and overcome adversity. Let's explore a few of the transformative effects of embracing positivity and humor in difficult times and how they can provide us with a fresh perspective and renewed strength to navigate life's challenges. Now, when faced with difficult situations, it's natural to focus on the negative aspects and dwell on what went wrong. It's super, super easy to do and we all do this. However, adopting a positive outlook encourages us to, to shift our perspective slightly and seek out that silver lining amidst the storm. Instead of dwelling on what we've lost, we can focus on what we've gained or the lessons that we've learned. Maintaining a positive outlook doesn't mean ignoring or suppressing emotions. It simply means that we're acknowledging our feelings, allowing ourselves to experience them, and then consciously choosing how to respond and responding with resiliency and optimism are the quickest ways to get through those, those moments. Difficult times often require us to think outside the box and find creative solutions to overcome obstacles. A positive mindset fuels problem-solving abilities by enabling us to approach challenges with a flexible and open-minded attitude. Humor too can unlock our creativity, allowing us to see situations from different angles and discover innovative approaches. The, the, the lightheartedness that comes with humor can help us break free from rigid thinking patterns and find fresh perspectives that lead to remarkable breakthroughs. And then lastly, one of the most beautiful aspects of embracing positivity and humor during difficult times is the ripple effect it creates. By embodying resilience, optimism, and a lighthearted spirit, we can inspire and uplift those around us. You know, our positive outlook and sense of humor can serve as a beacon and hope and encouragement, 
reminding others that they too have the strength inside of them to endure and overcome. In this way, we contribute by creating, we contribute to creating a supportive and nurturing community that thrives even in the face of adversity. In times of difficulty, it's easy to succumb to negativity and despair. However, by consciously cultivating a positive outlook and a sense of humor, we can navigate through life's challenges with all sorts of renewed strength and resilience. Embracing positivity shifts our perspective. It enhances our our emotional well-being and strengthens us in audacious ways. Hey, listen, if you haven't registered for email notifications of the podcast, please know that you can do so simply by heading over to bestaudaciouslife.com. And every time that we've got brand new content, you'll get an email alert. And that's the best way to stay connected. As always, I say thank you to our amazing and audacious listeners. I appreciate all of you so much for helping to keep this podcast going. And I say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to one another, and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.